And the reason why abortion exists primarily is because of promiscuity or you could say sexual sin. And a group that supports sexual sin is counter to the anti-abortion or pro-life message. It's been 49 years since Roe versus Wade was handed down by the United States Supreme Court. Last week, 100,000 plus pro-lifers traveled to Washington, D.C. to mark the anniversary. With the Dobbs case soon to be decided, and this may be the last year for the March for Life, should we reassess our tactics? Is it time to stop the marching? I'll answer those questions today on The Mark Harrington Show. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can donate to our ministry and support the radio program by going to markharringtonshow.com. So thanks for joining us, friends. Uh, we just returned from the annual March for Life, now the 49th year since we, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down the Roe versus Wade decision, and thousands of marchers went to Washington. My estimation is probably around 100,000. The numbers were down this year a little bit. Uh, it was awfully cold. Plus, the D.C. mayor has handed down a, a vaccine mandate, I think, that uh, chilled the attendance. In other words, people didn't come in, in part because of that or uh, other reasons. But that was, I think, probably why there was probably a 30 percent decrease in the size of the march. But uh, either way, uh, the march went on 49th year. Of course, last year was canceled because of covid. Created Equal goes to the march, not to march in the march, but actually to reach the marchers. In fact, I uh, first attended a march way back when, probably 20 years ago. And that was the only time I marched. It was the first time I marched. It was the last time I marched. And it, there's nothing against marching per se. But after I marched one time, I realized that the March for Life needed to be reached with the abortion victim photography because. Uh, the march does not necessarily directly represent the victims of abortion. And what I mean by that is they don't show the victims themselves. Uh, and over the several, what, two decades now, we have had a, a dispute or a disagreement as to whether the March for Life should show the victims at all. And the reason why we take our jumbotron to the March for Life is because we want to represent the victims. It's the, the march is about them, not us. And the victims, the only way the victims can be displayed or shown is through images and video. And so we go to represent the victims at the March for Life. And what I want to do today is talk about whether we should still be marching or not uh, after now 49 years. And in my opinion, it's probably best that we don't. Now, I don't have anything against marching. I've been part of marches. I think marches have their place and the March for Life is very well attended and it's an opportunity for people to come and represent uh, the pro-life movement. Uh, it's a great entry level activity or outreach for a young person. It may be their first uh, chance to even do anything re remotely uh, involved with the pro-life movement. So in that way, it's, it's a very good thing. 
Uh, but and now it's 49 years into this, and I just wonder if it's served its purpose. And, and, and I'm not just saying across the board we shouldn't be marching. There's times to march, and there's times not to march. But what I want to do today is talk a little bit about why I think it's probably time that we stop the marching in Washington, D.C. As a 30-year veteran of anti-abortion ministry, I think the march has pretty much served its purpose. Now, well, let me be clear. I have friends that support the March for Life. Uh, I know the president of the March for Life. We don't agree on everything, uh, and, and that's fine. And I'm not saying that the March for Life might not have a place in the future, but uh, maybe on, on a national scale in, in state capitals and that kind of thing. But I just wonder if it's time that we, that we end the marching. I think maybe it's served as purpose. And the three reasons for that, in my view, are, number one, that the March for Life has never really uh, represented the victims themselves. And what I mean by that is they have not used abortion victim photography or video. Uh, and, and because of that, the march has uh, it really uh, outlived its purpose. The original purpose of the March for Life, as it was founded after the, after the handing down of Roe versus Wade, was to go to Washington, D.C. and lobby Congress. So you would go to the march, you would march, and then you'd go up to Capitol Hill and you'd meet with your representatives and your senators and lobby them to pass pro-life legislation. Now, the March, still, the march for Life still talks about and trains people on how to lobby their representatives, but there's no concerted effort to do that. And that was the original purpose of the March for Life. Um, so in my view, one of the reasons why we probably need to stop the marching is because we don't represent the primary victims of abortion by using victim photography at the march. The only way the march marchers actually see the victims is because Created Equal does that. That's what we do with our Jumbotron. The second reason is that the march no longer serves its original purpose, which is lobbying. And then the third, and I want to get into this hopefully in detail towards the end of the program, and that is that the march, and I would say our movement and the mainstream of our movement, has been infiltrated by what I consider destructive forces. And uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. So let me just start with number one. The March for Life historically has not supported the use uh, of displaying abortion victim photography and video. The history of Created Equal is such that we have had dis disagreements over this over the year. They've all been civil and cordial. Uh, and that's why we display the victims along the march route. Uh, in early on, uh, when the march was run by Nellie Gray, who's the founder of the March for Life, uh, she was not one that supported the, the using uh, video or pictures of the victims anywhere at the rally or during the march itself. And so that that's been a problem, I think. I mean, obviously, there's a debate over the use of victim photography, but you could you imagine? a civil rights march in which the marchers, uh, those who go to the march, don't represent the victims. Could you imagine that there would be no African-Americans represented at a civil rights march? Uh, it would be nonsensical, right? 
uh, we understand that the civil rights movement in those marches, they could represent themselves. Blacks could represent themselves at the march. At the March for Life, we have to represent others. And we do that by marching. But the best way to draw attention to the victims themselves, because they're dead, is to use the victim photography. And over the years, unfortunately, the March for Life has been unwilling to show the victims of abortion. Now, there is a dispute, as I said, that they don't work. I think we can put that all to rest, hopefully by now. We have testimony after testimony, not just at the March for Life, but across the board at colleges and high schools in the public square that the abortion victim photography and video actually changes hearts and minds. So that's number one, that the march has not represented the victims directly by using abortion victim photography and video. And that'd be one reason why we may need to reconsider uh, the idea of marching altogether on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. The second reason is because the march no really serves no longer serves the purpose of lobbying Congress. It used to be about that. Uh, it no longer is. In fact, unfortunately, and again, this I don't want to be critical of all of this. It's not a bad thing that we have these events surrounding the march. There are conferences, there are fundraisers, there are dinners, uh, and so on and so forth. There are galas. I just don't know if that's the place to do it. Probably not. In fact, I think the March for Life should be marked by, and the anniversary of Roe versus Wade should be marked primarily by a solemn reflection on the tragedy of abortion, remembering the victims uh, in prayer and repentance. We should be going to the march. We should be going to this anniversary every year with a broken heart. And that should be emblematic in our in our events. Uh, there are events like that. There are prayer vigils and so forth at the Supreme Court, and that's a good thing. But the march and the remembrance of Roe versus Wade should be marked by repentance and brokenness. That's why we should be going to Washington, D.C. I mean, could you imagine... Uh, remembering the anniversary of 9-11 with a celebration of life? Could you imagine remembering the attack on Pearl Harbor where thousands of Americans' uh, lives were lost by a celebration of life only? We don't mark those two anniversaries by celebrating life. We mark those anniversaries by remembering the tangible victims. Those are unique human beings made in the image of God, creating him his image, who were killed in those events. And so it is. The Roe versus Wade decision handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1973 and remembered now 49 years is a day like no other. Uh, beyond the day of infamy of December 7th, uh, where we were attacked by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor, we have lost 63 million children to abortion. That's not a day of celebration. There are other days we can celebrate. There are other days we can have dinners and fundraisers. There are other days we can have galas. They're all good, but probably not at the March for Life. So it's really lost its original purpose, which was to, to lobby Congress. Now, I don't want to be Johnny Rain Cloud and rain on everybody's parade and just say, oh, it's worthless and not worth anything. But I think there needs to be a time and a place 
where we solemnly remember the victims in repentance and call America to repent for the shedding of the blood. And I can't think of a better day to do it than on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. I'll say this, one side benefit, and I think it's a strong benefit, of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, God willing, that might happen this year, is that we will no longer have to march in Washington, D.C. on January 22nd. At least I hope we won't. There might be another purpose for marching, but it won't be to remember Roe versus Wade. So that's number two. Number three is that the march and the movement generally, and again, I'm not broad brushing here entirely, not everybody has done this, has been infiltrated by destructive elements. And, and what I want to do here in the remainder of the program is talking about is talk about this. And before I do that, I want I want you to to take action. If you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're a pro-life activist and you want to do something to end abortion, there's a couple things you can do. Number one is that you can use abortion victim photography yourself. And the easiest way to do that is to donate to created equal. And you can do that by going to markherringtonshow.com. And if you donate $10 or more uh, and you put in the comment section, I'd like these, we will send you a, a set of drop cards, uh, a, 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 a pack of drop cards. These drop cards have abortion victims on them. And they say on the other side, we are all created equal. And you can see these at createdequal.org slash store slash store or you can go to markharringtonshow.com and you can navigate to the created equal page if you give us a, a gift of ten dollars or more we will send you a stack of these drop cards that have on one side are we all created equal and on the other side the, a picture of a an abortion victim a 15-week abortion victim and you can drop these cards anywhere you wish uh, you can drop them at the gas station. You can drop them, you know, sometimes I even drop them in a restroom. Anywhere where people gather, you can set them on a table, a counter, uh, anywhere where people might pick them up. And this is an easy way to uh, use abortion victim photography in your pro-life outreach. So for $10 or more, go to, uh, you can give us a gift. Go to markherringtonshow.com, click on the donate link. And let us know that you would like the drop cards sent to you. Um, so let, let's move on here. I want to talk about how the uh, the march and I would say the pro-life movement generally has been infiltrated by destructive forces. And what I'm talking about is primarily the LGBTQ plus activists. Now, let me be clear up front. I believe if someone's anti-abortion I don't care what their worldview is or religion is, their sex, any of that. doesn't matter. If they're anti-abortion, I'm for them. I want them to be against abortion. It's, it, it's, it, it's not, uh, I mean, just having Christians being anti-abortion may not be enough. In other words, we need more people to be anti-abortion. And we would be pleased if other people are. The issue to us is, should we, as a movement uh, who are anti-abortion and Christ followers, and not everybody in the anti-abortion movement is a Christ follower, but we are created equal. And most people who are anti-abortion are would consider themselves Christians. Should we be making alliances 
with pro-LGBTQ groups and individuals to fight abortion. That's the issue. Um, a lot of people would say, yes, those alliances make sense. Making allies makes sense. Uh, forming joint ventures makes sense because we want to grow the pie. We want more people to come into the movement. And we shouldn't exclude them uh, because of their so-called sexual preferences or orientation, if you will. I would differ. I would tend to differ. And I would say I think it's counterproductive. I would say that it's actually destructive to the overall message of the anti-abortion or pro-life uh, movement. And that is we're trying to end abortion, but abortion doesn't exist in a vacuum. And the reason why abortion is, exists, exists primarily is because of promiscuity or you could say sexual sin. And a group that supports sexual sin is counter to the anti-abortion or pro-life message. Let me let me get to the point here. Uh, the other the, the main thing is this. Are we going to be uh, faithful to the cause of Christ? Are we going to be faithful to the Bible, to the Word of God that speaks about this and talks about how we should not be uh, involved in these uh, types of sins? Uh, so the Bible prohibits sexual promiscuity, uh, heterosexual as well as homosexual, because this behavior violates the created order. God set this into, play, into place in the book of Genesis when he said we were all made in the image of God. And uh, that was the purpose for sexuality. Uh, it, the purpose was within the covenant of marriage. And anything or anyone that destroys that or attempts to, to alter that is working against the will of God for sexuality. And as we all know, abortion is just a symptom of a culture that no longer honors the covenant of marriage between a male and a female. Number two, the issue of co-belligerence. So now when I say that word, you might wonder what that means. That word or idea was, was coined by Dr. Francis Schaeffer back in the 1980s. And he talked about how it is important that pro-life Christians form uh, relationships with, if you will, or uh, broadens the tent on abortion with non-Christians because we have a common political economic or cultural cause. So we call it co-belligerence. In other words, they're belligerent, they're fighting against something and or some yeah, something, and we would come alongside them for that specific cause in order to fight that common evil. And so he talked about having relationships with non-Christians for the purpose of abolishing abortion. He called this co-belligerence. But the truth of the matter is there have to be limits to this. There have to be limits to which we will draw the line and say we will not go any further. Schaefer said this, quote, A co-belligerent is a person with whom I do not agree on all sorts of vital issues, but for whatever reasons of their own is on the same side in a fight for some specific issue of, of public justice. I think he said it well, right? The issue we fight is abortion. We can come alongside people on occasion to fight that, 
even if they do not agree with us on all sorts of vital issues. In other words, Jesus even kind of put this concept out there in the scriptures when he said in Luke chapter 9, verse 50, he said, quote, for whoever is not against you is for you. So there are places and times that we would join efforts, join forces, if you will, to fight a common evil. He also said in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, he was not with me is against me. See, so the opposite is true. Of course, the Bible's full of examples of co-belligerency. Uh, Joseph worked with the Egyptians to alleviate famine in Genesis chapter 41. Daniel in Nebuchadnezzar's court in Daniel 2. Jeremiah's letter to the exiles to seek the peace and prosperity of the city in Jeremiah 29 verse 7. And Paul's exhortation, or exhortation to do good to all especially the family of believers, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. The point of the matter is we have the duty or important, uh, the, the, the desire and need to form co-belligerent relationships with people that oppose a common evil, but there has to be limits to these uh, relationships. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 26, that every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself can stand. And so, you know, it's a tough balance. We need to know when and where we can join up and where we shouldn't. Uh, in my view, it's the difference between forming an alliance and uh, forming or being part of a joint venture, which is a short-term effort. Dr. Schaefer also said this. Quote, Christians must realize that there is a difference between a co-belligerent and an ally. And I think that is the distinction. A co-belligerent is someone who might agree, disagree with you on a whole bunch of other issues, but is against a common evil. But an ally, on the other hand, is someone that you would form a relationship long term. And he goes on to say, at times we will seem to be saying exactly the same thing as those without a Christian base are saying. If there is a social injustice, say there is a social injustice. If we need to order in these cases and at these specific points, we would be considered co-belligerents. But we must not, and this is the distinction that's important, we must not align ourselves as though we are in any camp built on a non-Christian base. We are an ally of no such camp. In other words, fidelity to the Bible and Christ matters. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 21 says this, Do not lay hands upon anyone too quickly, and thereby share in the responsibility for their sin. So co-belligerents are those who are fighting the same evil, but they're not allies. I hope that's clear. I hope that's clear. And so to finish off with this concept, I just want you to understand something. Here are the facts. The LGBTQ revolution is, committing, is committed to dismantling the fundamental biblical concept that we're made in the image of God. The LGBT revolution is an assault on human dignity and identity, which is the very problem with abortion and the issue of one man, one woman marriage. And then finally, the LGBTQ 
community or revolution promotes the very sin or sins that are the cause of abortion. And it defies natural law. LGBTQ activists and groups promote the breakdown of the biblical family, male female sexuality, and the importance of children. In other words, they defy natural law and the created order that we're made in the image of God and that we are created male and female. And that is the reason the, the destruction of the family and male female relationships and marriage is the reason why we have abortion. So just to wrap this up, and I know this isn't likely to treat the, uh, the discussion uh, with enough time to really dignify it, but I just wanted to throw these thoughts out there that um, I think it may be time that we stop the marching for a couple of reasons. First of all, the victims are not represented. Second of all, the original purpose of the Roe versus, Ray, Ray, Roe versus Wade anniversary is no longer the purpose today. And then finally, there is an infiltration of this destructive uh, movement, the LGBTQ revolution in the pro-life movement and the March for Life that is represented on January 22nd every single year. So God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. So friends, I want you to subscribe to the podcast, whether you watch this on social media or follow us on terrestrial radio, you can follow the Mark Harrington show and listen to it 24 seven by subscribing to our podcast by going to markharringtonshow.com. That's markharringtonshow.com. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.